There we are. Yeah, I want to clap to that. Can you play that again? Can you play that again? We're going to all clap to that intro video. Can I, can I bump that again? Are you ready? One. There we go. There we go. Way to go, Cole. All right. This is for you, Cole. All right. Anyway, I just... I was just kind of inspired to do that anyway. Hey, good morning. My name is Pastor Dale. Open your Bibles to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. We're in a series in which we are working our way through Romans 12 and exploring the topic of you are here. Now, what do we, what do we mean by that? We're talking about how you understand where you are spiritually now, but also where do you want to go? Where does God want you to go? And how do you plot the best route to get there? It's kind of like... We started with the big word, therefore, two weeks ago. And the therefore in Romans 12.1 points back to Romans uh, 1-11, which explains who we are in Christ. You'll hear us talk a lot about that. And, and in a bottom line, it, it describes you under grace, alive in Christ. That's, the, that's kind of the starting point for you are here. You, alive in Christ, under grace. We can bring that up if you have it. And then we're going to move through and we're going to begin this journey. We talked first about going to a place called worship. We went from, you are here in grace, alive in Christ. You got that? There we go. There, I knew it was there. There we go. And we journeyed in the first week to the area of worship. God wants you, in grace, to learn to worship. And not just to learn to worship, but to be a worshiper. Be a living sacrifice. That's at the heart of worship. We also learned, by the way, that as you do that, uh, Ryan began uh, last week to unpack what that means for us. You need to get a renewed mind. That's what I call wisdom. You go from worship to wisdom, being a worshiper of Christ to becoming wise. The phrase that was used was you, you get a renewing of the mind because we are programmed to think one way by our world, but we don't want to conform to the thinking of the culture and the thinking of our old life. Make sense? So it's kind of like if your brain's a computer, which it very much is, the reality is it's been programmed by the world, and like they talked about in life skills a little bit ago, you need to reprogram, and the way you do that is you go to the Word of God, and God's Word begins to reprogram the way we think. And as a result, we begin to live out this thing called the will of God, which you learned last week. Remember, Ryan taught you, I listened to it this week, three things he taught us it's a noun not a verb it's a noun not an adjective it is a good thing an acceptable thing a perfect thing that's the nature of god's will that's what i call the journey to wisdom so we go to worship we go to wisdom today we're going to go to another stop along the path and that's called service what's it mean to be a servant now let me stop right there and say this For most of us, let me just speak for myself, when I hear the word, be a servant, that's kind of, if I'm planning a trip across the country, I'm going to go to worship, I'm going to go to wisdom, those sound pretty appealing, but do I really want to stop in a place called servant, service, be a servant? Uh, This is kind of a destination that I kind of put the brakes on, and before I want to pull into the parking lot and learn a little bit about this, I probably am thinking, you know something, that's not what I signed on for when I came to know Christ. I mean, I needed His forgiveness. I wanted His freedom. I wanted a, a future in heaven. But why would this be the very next topic 
that as God begins to explain the Christian life, why would this topic be the very next thing he talks about in Romans chapter 12, verse 3? Today we're going to unpack this idea of serving, of being this thing called a servant. And it's something that we're going to learn that the first thing we're going to need to do is renew our minds because our thinking has been really messed up when it comes to thinking of what God means by this. Because our thinking has been programmed by our culture, by our world. So we're going to renew the mind today in this area, and then we're going to talk about how do we make progress in becoming what God really has designed you to be. In fact, I want to show you later that Jesus knew what he was talking about when Jesus actually said at one point, if you want to be great, now that would get your attention, right? If you want to be great, not average, not poor, if you want to be great, be a servant. Why would he say that? Let's pray. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for what it teaches us. Today, renew our minds. Uh, Let us, Father, be transformed, as Ryan showed us last week from your word, to be transformed by the renewing of our minds, especially in this area of what it really means to be a servant. Amen. Listen to the wisdom of God. Follow along. Get your Bibles out, iPads, wherever you've got it. Get your outlines. Get ready to take some notes. Here we go. Four. For through the grace given to me, I say to everyone among you. So this is not just for one level of follower of Jesus or another. This is for everyone. I say to everyone among you not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, but to think so as to have sound judgment, as God has allotted to each one of us a measure of faith. For just as we have many members in one body, meaning the church, and all the members do not have the same function. So we, who are many, are one body in Christ and individually members of one another. Since we have gifts that differ according to the grace, underline that word, grace, given to us, each of us should be exercising them accordingly. If prophecy, according to the proportion of his faith, if service and his serving, if if, if he who teaches in his teaching, for he who exhorts in his exhortation, he who gives, give with liberality, he who leads, lead with diligence, he who shows mercy, do it with cheerfulness. In other words, do it all with gusto. Pray with me. Father God, thank you for your word. Thank you for the wisdom in it. Uh, God, I really pray that as we study it together, as we unpack this truth, that you would renew our minds and you would change our lives so that we might be transformed into the image of Christ. Uh, Teach us about this today. We love you in Christ's name. Amen. So you start off in Romans 12, and and as I already made the connection, verse 2, as we left off last week, said we need to renew our minds. And this will be true in every area of your life because all of life, your shape, you're shaped by the thinking you've grown up with. You're shaped by the thinking of the culture. And now, as a follower of Jesus, you need to renew the mind in every area, and this is no exception. And the very first area that we need to renew the mind in, he says, is this area in verse 3. He says, For though the great, through the grace given to me, I say to everyone not to think more highly of himself than he ought to think, 
but to think so as to have sound judgment. So we need to pull up right there and ask the question as we pause for a minute, what is sound judgment concerning who I am in Christ? And also, what is sound judgment concerning this topic that he's bringing up? Where he says, look, don't be prideful as you begin to be changed by Christ, as you begin to experience new life in Christ. Don't let it lead to pride. Stay humble. So we need to take a a little detour, I think, before we go on through Romans 12 and ask ourselves the question, how does God think differently about servanthood and serving than the culture? And I want to take you to a couple quick passages. So we're going to kind of blow through these quickly. Uh, So follow with me in your Bibles or just listen up really close. Number one, the first thing we learn is that when we say serving, our model is Christ, not the culture. In other words, the ultimate example of serving, as we're going to define it, is defined with a study of Jesus. And that's taught to us in Philippians chapter 2. So kind of keep a finger in Romans or keep a mark there and turn, hang a right in your Bible, jump through over the two big Corinthians, Galatians, Ephesians, Philippians. Here we go. Philippians chapter 2. Now listen to this. Great passage beginning in verse 3. He says, Do nothing from selfishness that's the opposite of servanthood do nothing from selfishness or empty conceit pride but with humility of mind that's what he just brought up in romans with humility of mind regard one another as more important than yourselves do not merely look out for your own personal interests hmm. but for the interest of others have this attitude in yourself which was also in christ jesus Although he existed in the form of God, he was God. He did not regard his equality with God something to be grasped or highlighted, but he emptied himself, taking the form of a bond, what? Servant, a bond servant, and being made in the likeness of men, being found in the appearance as a man. He even humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of what? Death, even death on a cross. So when we stop for a minute, we realize that in this passage, we have a quick overview of, of, of the way the world approaches uh, serving others and the way Jesus did. And, I, and you've got to come there as a starting point because it helps me renew my mind and think differently about this whole area of serving. I, I, this is so important that I've given this to you, typed out complete so you don't even have to write it down. But I want to throw it on the screen so you don't have to read your notes, but you've got it to take home with you. So make sure you look at that outline, all right? Here's the overview. The attitude is totally different. The world's model versus the Jesus model of serving. The world says, you know, I, I have, I have, uh, I'm conceited. It's all about me. So I'm going to do what makes me look good. Okay. So it's pride driven, but Jesus does it out of humility. It's humility driven. The focus is not on me, like in the world's model. The focus is on considering the needs of others more important than myself. In the world's model, it's a need to impress. And sometimes we as Christians can fall into, you know, I I need to serve because I want to impress Pastor Dale. I want to impress other people in the church with my service, okay? Need to impress versus Jesus didn't do it to impress anybody. He had nothing to prove, right? So, you know, I think God wants us to to serve with a nothing to prove. I like the next one. The world serves to get. In other words, I will serve your needs if you serve me back. Or better yet, if you serve me first, I might serve your needs. This is especially the way we play the game in this little context called 
marriage, right? Last week we talked about this on the marriage retreat, and we had a great time with uh, with about uh, 19 couples or so uh, down in San Diego for a weekend. But we talked about service. But you know, if you're serving to get, that's the world's model. When you just serve because I want to give, that's the Jesus model. The world does it for self-exaltation. The Jesus model says, and the Father highly exalted him. So you end up being exalted, but you're exalted and lifted up, actually, by God because you're serving to give, nothing to prove, focused on others, humility-driven. That's a whole different model, isn't it? So when you hear the word servant today, that's the model I want you to focus on, not the world. Not only is the attitude different, but I love this. The way it plays itself out as we serve others is radically different. The world thinks of this, that serving others is for the weak and unskilled. Even when you hear the word servant, most of you, if you were really honest, would, would say, what do you picture? And you picture people doing things that the rather weak or uneducated or unskilled people in the culture maybe do. It's hard labor. It's the, it's, you gotta be a servant because you're not, you're not good for anything else, right? Well, the, but Jesus served out of his strength and his skill. Was Jesus weak? Yes or no? No, I don't think so. Was Jesus unskilled? Yes or no? Good grief. He was God. Okay? So you don't get more skilled than God. Okay? So if God models this servanthood, he's, he's saying the serving that Jesus is going to teach us today is recognizing you don't do it because you're weak and good for nothing. You do it because you're strong and good for something. I'll show you that in a minute from the Word. So it's done out of your strength and skills, which are God-given, by the way. I look at the next one. In the world's view, serving is something that's taken from me. i got to do it, okay? In the Jesus model, it's given by me. See, Jesus laid down his life. He voluntarily served us, right? So it's, it's when I'm serving from my strength, which is God-given. I'm, giving, I'm choosing to serve Therefore, it's not frustration, it's fulfillment. I'm not being somebody's doormat. I'm being the joyful, willing sacrifice for Christ. It's a radically different way. So I wish we had a whole sermon. Maybe sometime we'll come back to this passage and just go into depth on this difference. But the big idea today is this. Jesus has to be the model. Number two, serving as we renew our thinking about serving You need to realize it's at the very heart of life. In other words, you want to have a great life? Jesus knew what he was talking about when he said, if you want to be great, be a servant. Here's some quick passages. I'll just put the passages up to to reference. Number one, if you want to even do what you're created to do. If you study Genesis chapter 2, mankind, even before he sinned, was created to do primarily three things. Here they are. To worship God, to work, and to relate. Okay, the Adam and Eve deal. Okay, God creates woman, blah, blah, blah. Okay, things get really fun. So the reality is you're, 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 you're created to be a worshiper, a worker, and a relater, loving one another. And the reality is all three of those require service. They require a servant spirit. You're created to worship, serving your God as a living sacrifice. That's Psalm 100. It says, shout joyfully to the Lord all the earth. Serve the Lord with gladness. Come before him with singing. Know that the Lord himself, he is God. He has made us, not we ourselves. We are his people, the sheep of his pasture. So the idea of serving God is at the heart of worship. 
You're created to work and go to work, okay? And, and the reality is when you go to work, you are created to serve others. Even if you own the company, you're there to serve others. Colossians chapter 3, 22 says this, Whatever you do, do your work heartily as unto the Lord. And he ends by saying this, And the Lord will re- you will receive a reward as an inheritance. It is the Lord Jesus whom you serve when you serve in the workplace with the right attitude. So it's central to your worship, it's central to your work, it's central to relationships. Where do I see that in the Word? Galatians 5, 13 and 14. There's the reference. Just write the references down if you don't get them, okay? I think I give you the reference. Oh, yeah, I'm giving I'm so easy today. Yeah, I've given you most of this in the outline. But the reality is in relationships, I love this verse, Galatians 5, 13. For you were called to freedom. You're free in Christ. Only do not turn your freedom into an opportunity for the flesh or for sin. But through love serve one another. For the whole law is fulfilled in one statement. You shall, see if you know this, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. And Galatians 5 says, loving your neighbor as yourself, which Jesus said is along with loving God with all your heart, love your neighbor as yourself is the heart of life. Well, Galatians 5 says, serving one another is the heart of love. So here's the deal. If you don't learn how to serve under the Jesus model, you will be a lousy lover. Wow. Who wants that? You really want to be a lousy lover? I don't think so. I don't. You know, because it will affect every relationship in your life, with friendships, your, your relationships, if you're married, your, your, your child rearing, your relationship to your parents, if you're a kid, you know, it doesn't matter. All relationships are built on love, and love is built, according to Galatians 5, on serving one another. It's a key component of that. So it's central to worship, to work, to relationships. You know, the bottom line, it, it, in fact, it shows up best. If you want to practice this, or if you want to kind of evaluate and say, how am I doing as a servant? Probably the best place to practice it is not at church, even though I recommend serving at church. We'll come to that in a minute. Uh, it's probably not even in the workplace because I recommend being a servant-hearted employee in the workplace. My service, at least, and my true heart of service under the Jesus model gets tested when I'm at home. Now, it gets tested still for Becky and I, but let me flash back in time a little bit. It was really tested when we have little creatures running around the house. Okay, we had three kids who we dearly loved, and uh, I remember, have you ever done this? Okay, toddler number two comes strolling through the room. You're watching the ball game. You kind of realize, you know what that is? Okay, that's, okay, so you, you... you sniff the air and you realize something seems to be going, going afoul, and I think toddler number two is carrying it around. <laughs> so here's what you do. You, you look around. Becky's in the other room, probably doing laundry, okay. And, uh, but she, I wait. She floats back into the room. And I wait until she's within reaching distance of toddler number two. And I say something like, hey, hey Beck, you, you smell something? <laughs> okay, and, and she, of course says no <laughs> unless she's having a good spiritual day and then she said yeah i said yeah you, you may want to do the dip you know test you know the dipstick 
test. Okay. I mean, I, don't parents learn that? I mean, you got to, right? So the reality is someone needs to, someone needs to go in for the look and see, is this real or imaginary? And you realize this is not just gas. This is the real deal. So, you know, toddler number two has filled the diaper and, you know, and then at that point, you got a second decision. You know, if you really look at your wife, she may say, you know what that means? Your turn. Okay. So usually that's when I act really busy, like I'm reading the Bible or something. And I just kind of look down and, you know, and, and she just takes care of it. Now, Jesus model, world's model. See, very different, right? You know, and I guess what I want to communicate today is when you think about being a servant like Jesus, it really comes down to like a hundred little decisions every day where you have the chance to step up and say, you know something, let me take care of it. Or you have the chance to just ignore it and let someone else do it and it and it's kind of a lifestyle it really is you know for for us uh so that was one of my bad days let me tell you one of my good days okay i remember another thing and that is a sound that i grew to detest in our home was the buzzer on the dryer especially when you had multiple kids at home with all these little weird clothing items that are so small they're hard to identify i mean is this a sock or is this a pair of pants i don't know it's very little difference you know, so the reality is, you know, all of a sudden the dryer buzzer would go off. Now, okay, what do I do? Uh, again, I can return to my deep contemplative Bible study because I know Beck's upstairs probably didn't hear it. And on some of my better days, here's what I just think, okay, what would Jesus do? I say, you know something, this is a chance to surprise Becky. Uh, and the reason it's a surprise is I do it so seldom. <laughs> okay. <laughs> I'm just crucifying myself this morning, okay? I mean, okay, but I got to be honest, all right? But, you know, but I would occasionally crucify myself. I go to the dryer, and the best thing to do is quickly get everything out of the dryer and, and actually fold it, and then when she's not looking, sneak upstairs, and since I'm not, I'm never trusted to put them away in the drawer because that's her business, but, you know, but the reality is at least I lay them out in piles on each kid's bed or whatever. And then, and then she comes down late. I don't tell her because well, there, there went my... See, I, I keep losing the Jesus model because I kind of want credit for this. You know what I mean? So, so because I want credit for this, I wait until she comes down and she has for the laundry room. And I hear the door open. And I hear this gasp. <gasps> Someone stole our clothes. <laughs> you know, because she knows Dale never puts them away, you know. But all of a sudden, hey, hey did, 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 did someone come in and steal the clothes? And I said, well, honey, I, I kind of heard the buzzer and I took care of it. Now, if I can do that from a pure heart, I'm getting close to the Jesus model. Okay? And, and, and occasionally, I probably did do it from a pure heart. I just said, you know, I think this will glorify Christ, and it's good for me, and it's good for her. And I just love Jesus, and I love my wife, and I want to be a servant. So I really believe that if we really want to test out our servant spirit, it probably starts at home. And if God isn't transforming the way you relate to one another at home with a servant heart, then it's probably not the real deal. But then it carries over. It carries over into how I handle myself in the workplace. Even as a person who has the privilege of managing our staff, a servant attitude, if I'm the leader of our staff and I try to communicate this, is to say to them, you know, my goal is to help you succeed in 
and be all that Christ wants you to be. My goal is to help you succeed. You're not on our staff to serve Dale. I'm actually on the staff to serve you. Now, I have to remind myself of that because it's easy to forget it. Because the world says, no, 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 you hire people to serve you. That's why you pay them. They're your servants. You're the master. And Jesus says, yeah, you may be the one in charge, but you need to come underneath your employees and serve them. Now, interesting thing, if we had time to do this and we don't today, I could take you to a book called Good to Great, written by a secular author, Jim Collins, who did a, a, a masterful study at Stanford on what makes good leaders great leaders in the marketplace and what he concludes out of six things he concludes. One of them is they have humility and a servant spirit. And he says in the book he was shocked to discover this in his research. So just be aware, those of you that are thinking, you know, this is great sermon, Dale. I hope all my employees are listening. If you're the boss, this is for you too. That's the reality. And it doesn't make you a less of a leader, it makes you a better leader. So the bottom line in all that is this. You are born to be like Jesus, who is the ultimate servant. Matthew chapter 20, 26, Jesus said, Hey, it's not so among you. Don't be like the world. Whoever wishes to be great among you shall be your servant. Say it. Servant, yeah. That's the, Jesus said that's the path to greatness. Now let me kick it up one more level. Let me kick it up one more level. And that's this. The reality is um, that, therefore, being a servant is not only good and, and central to life. According to God's concept, it is your destiny and your identity in Christ to live as a servant. In other words, it's not something to be feared. It's something to be pursued. It's something to be excited about. It was one of my favorite authors. Very few books exist on humility. Have you ever noticed that? I actually did a sermon series a few years ago, and I entitled it The Humility Paradox. It's a paradox how humility actually makes you greater, not lesser. And, uh, and I actually took the concept to my publisher, and, and when I pitched the, the idea for a book, they rejected it. They said, we love the book, but we don't like the title because nobody buys books on humility. I think they were wrong, actually. And I think they messed up the book by changing the title. Um, it's one of the biggest mistakes I've made in life, is letting them change that title. Um, and then it gets worse. They put my ugly mug on the cover of the book. And don't tell me why they did that. It just proves that it was a bad mistake. But the reality is, here's the deal. The essence of that book and that series is, in fact, that humility empowers great life. It's at the central of living the way God created you to live. Because you were created to relate to God, not as His equal, by, but as His servant. And that doesn't lessen your life, it actually enriches your life. There's a great pastor who said it a lot better than me. Andrew Murray lived from 1828 to 1917. When he, from his ministry years, which began in 1858... This guy was a gifted speaker, traveling speaker in big demand. He wrote 240 books, okay? Okay, so, you know, okay. Oh, wow, Dale wrote a book, okay? He wrote 240 books. So this guy was an incredible, incredible writer, author, preacher. 1879, at the height of his ministry, uh, he caught an illness that clamped down his throat where he lost his voice for two years. 
he couldn't talk for two years. Now this guy is, he's the man. It'd be like kind of saying Billy Graham lost his voice for two years at the height of his ministry. Uh, you know, and, um, but during that time, God used that to teach him about humility. And he wrote an incredible book entitled Humility. I'd, I'd recommend it to you if you can find it. I think it's still in publication. But in that book, this is, let me give you a quote what he says about being a servant. He says, if we are indeed to be humble, not only before God, but towards men, and if humility is to be our joy, a being clothed upon with the very beauty and blessedness of heaven and of Jesus. If this is being like Jesus, he says, then we shall see that just as Jesus found his glory in becoming the servant, there is nothing so divine and heavenly as being the servant and helper of all. Later in the book he says this, we shall begin to learn that it is our true nobility and that to prove it in being servants of all is the highest fulfillment of our destiny as men created in the image of God. Wow, that's good. That's good. See, what Murray was saying is we need to change our thinking. We need to renew our minds and change our thinking about this thing and recognize that, wow, we are in fact created by God to be servants. And that that's not a downer. It's actually moving up the ladder of success in life when you learn that lesson. It's central to all of life. Now, if we've renewed our mind a little bit this morning, how do we chart the course toward putting it into action? And I really think that's what the rest of Romans 12 does. It begins to chart the course so we can, what I call in your outline, discover your serve. How do you serve at your best? And for that, go back with me now to Romans 12. Here it is. He says, don't think more highly of yourself than you ought to think. Stay humble, but have sound judgment because God has allotted to each of us a measure of faith. What's he mean by that? Verse 4. For just as we have many members in one body that are all members, don't have the same function, so we too, who are many, are one body in Christ, individually members of it, and since we have gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, then exercise them accordingly. In other words, whatever gifts God's given you, man, you ought to use it. Don't, you know, be a servant-minded person, but especially serve out of your strengths. If I were to summarize this, it's in five little words. You can get these real quick. Number one, be humble. Stay humble as you approach serving others. Don't begin to serve and then all of a sudden say, wow, you know, I have such a humble spirit, I'm proud of it. Okay, don't do that. Number two, be wise. He said to think so as to have sound judgment, verse three. Be wise and understand how God has wired you. Number three, be confident. You know, some people think, wow, if if you're supposed to just be a servant, then, you know, then you probably are like, ah, I don't have anything I can do. I mean, if you're thinking that, you're calling God a liar. Because God says, for to each one he is allotted a measure of faith. In other words, you are promised by God that you are good at something. God has wired every one of you to be good at something that he wants you to do in your life 
and for his kingdom as you live that life. And that's exciting. So, you know, so this doesn't cause you to go, oh, you know, in fact, you know, in fact, let me use it, you know, there was a hymn a few years back that would say, oh, for such a worm as I. Um, it's an old hymn. Which one? At the cross, at the cross, yeah. You know, now, it's true that when Jesus died for you, you were a worm, okay? That, that metaphor kind of works. But the reality is when you come to Christ and you are born again, Ryan taught you last week, the word is like metamorphosis, right? So you are no longer a worm, you are a butterfly, okay? So quit acting like worms. Worms go, oh, all I can do is crawl around in the dirt, right? Okay, I wish I was a butterfly, man. They the dirt, they woohoo, they look pretty, they fly around, and they don't get squished as easily on the freeway, at least not by tires, but by the grill. <laughs> but you gotta, you gotta fly higher. But the reality is, as long as you fly higher, you can cross the five freeway. If you're a butterfly, you got no chance. If you're a worm, it's that way in life. So Christians should not think like, oh, I'm this, this worm. You know, I'm a forgiven worm. I'm glad. I'm a worm that will be in heaven. But no, no. God says you're not a worm. You're a new creation. You're, you're a butterfly. You can do things now with Christ that you could never do before. And one of those things you can do is you can become a servant. And that makes you a great lover. Makes you a great person. It makes you more effective at home and at work and in the church and everywhere. So be confident. Number four, be connected. He says that, you know, you got to do, ideally, you use your gifts connected to the body of Christ. That comes back next week. So be connected because it's, it's a church. We, we serve together, not just alone. And then last but not least, so therefore leverage your strengths. Now, what do we mean by this? Leverage your strengths. He says, whatever your gifts are, exercise them accordingly. The emphasis in Scripture here and elsewhere is use your strengths. One of my favorite passages is 1 Corinthians 12, 4-7. This is not in your outline. You may want to write it down. But it shows this diagram. It says that God has given within the body of Christ, in the church, a variety of gifts. We all have different gifts and talents. We have different passion for a variety of types of ministry and then we have a variety of of effects which i think refers to the experiences the effects that flow out of our ministry so the reality is that is your your best when you're when you're serving you're at your very best when you're serving not just in your gifts but you're using your gifts in your area of passion where you have experience and that's that middle zone that i like to call your uniqueness or your unique abilities Another way to say it is, it's your shape. We'll talk about that in a minute. So how do we process? Where are you now and where do you want to go? Let me bring up a new version of this chart I showed you two weeks ago. Remember, you're somewhere on this chart. You're a seeker, you're a new believer, a growing follower, a maturing disciple, or a Christ-centered person. Our goal is to be moving toward Christ-centered living. Okay? Now, we're never there completely. We're always in progress, but that's the goal. So the question is this, how do you serve and why do you serve? How do you serve? Do you do your own thing? I'll do what I want to do. Or are you what I call a recruit, meaning I'll do something if I'm asked? That's a recruit. You've got to be recruited. Or are you a volunteer? The difference is now I do anything to help. That's kind of the volunteer spirit, right? 
See, whether you ask me or not, I want to, hey, I'm in. I, I want to volunteer. Or do you understand your shape? And, and this is where you begin to, to do his thing with joy. And, and you'll learn more about shape in a future week. But it stands for your, like you, you understand your spiritual gifting. You understand your heart or your passions, your, your, your aptitudes. What are you good at? Your personality, your experiences. In other words, it's kind of like that, that diagram I just showed you. In other words, how has God shaped you? And you serve out of that as a lifestyle. When you begin to serve out of that as a lifestyle, being his servant at home, at work, that's the goal. You also may want to ask yourself, why do I serve? I think in my life, I've gone through all of these. I serve to impress others. Or I serve to please God or others. Or I to help others others that's probably a little more mature but how about serving to because i want to impact my world for christ or better yet i serve because that's who i am to worship god and respond to his love for me that's my motivation that's my motivation we want to help you as a church learn how to serve so here's some things that are coming up to help you We want to offer you some resources to help you discover how God has shaped you for service. You don't have to write these down because they're actually on your outline. On the bottom of the outline, you'll see, so this week, two steps to help you. Number one, you can go online to that link and you can get a free spiritual gift analysis where you can kind of discern probably how am I kind of gifted. But you want to go beyond that. Because it involves not just the area of spiritual gifts, it involves all your talents and your experiences and everything And that's where we go to this second link and you can actually take a little tool that will help you assess how God is and has shaped you. On your Connect card today, pull out the Connect card. There's four boxes that I want you to consider checking if we can help you. On the back of your Connect card, the final four boxes. Hey, I'm interested in serving. I'm interested in joining the next Shape class, which will soon be announced the date. So if you'd like to attend a short class on Sunday morning for this, we're going to be offering that. So if you want to plan to be in the class, check that box if that would help you, all right? Um, And if you're interested in serving right now somewhere in ministry and getting started, we can use your help. We always need godly servants. So check those boxes today if if you want to get started. But one of the things we wanted to do today was to wrap up by doing this. By just simply saying thank you to those of you that are already serving. There's a whole variety of gifts in play here at Seacoast. I want the band to come up. um, I think I can call them the band. How about the boys? Yeah, welcome the boy band. Okay, yeah, okay. yeah. And uh, as they give us a little backdrop music, I want you to just sit back and say, God, thank you for the variety of ways in which You use us for your kingdom. Watch this. Jesus, and the deeds of the day, and the truth.
If you notice those pictures, some of those are here at Seacoast, others are around the world, others are out in the community working with clubs and teams. And In other words, it's not just about serving here at church. It's about a lifestyle of saying, Jesus, I'm yours. I'm your living sacrifice. I'm going to change the way I think about serving. And I want to find it to be my destiny, my glory. It's what I want to live to do because I want to be like Jesus. You know, that chart that I showed you earlier is something you can maybe just say, where am I? Where am I now on that chart? And if you're not fully where you want to be, both in what you're doing and why you're doing it, then take a step, mark that connect card, Sign up to serve. Get started. Because one of the great ways to learn to be a servant is simply step up and say, I'm yours. I want to do something. And we will do all we can to help equip you and help you to grow at home, in the workplace, here at church, into that 
service that is an act of worship that is a lifestyle where it's less about doing something and it's more about just being who you're created to be. Now that's when it gets fun. Pray with me. Father God, thank you. Thank you for serving us. Thank you for modeling servanthood in Jesus. We pray, Father, as we return to the worship of you and even as we give our offerings, Father, we pray that those financial offerings would be uh, expressions of our desire to serve you, to move your kingdom forward. So we worship you now. In Christ's name. We give in Christ's name. And we love you in the name of Christ. Amen. As you uh, listen to this song, we're going to have the ushers kind of hold off for about a minute with the offering. Because I want you to have time to look at that Connect card. Seriously, it's how you can say to us, I want help discovering my shape. Because I don't really know yet what I'm really designed by God to do. Then check that box so we can plan for an upcoming seminar for you. Or if you want help and some coaching. Or if you just want to say, hey, I'm ready to serve. Just point me in the right direction. Or if you know what the direction is you want to go. Check that box and write it in. We can't follow Jesus and not be redefined as servants. Take some time to think about that. Let us know how we can help you, and then we'll give.